Hello. Welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, I don't think we've done one since we took our little holiday break. Break. Uh, but we are we are back doing the podcast. We're back. Um, uh, we have. I have. I have a. a this is going to be sort of a potpourri of different things. Uh, it's it's going to be the. Um, my instinct would just say year in review, but I actually really much dislike year in reviews because like. I remember what happened. I was there. I don't need to do the urine review. It's you don't fine. need a reminder. The only ones I like are like the top 10 best, you know, X's or Y's. Yes. Because sometimes those are good. Because, sort of, you know, if I'm looking for a new game, I, I might just, you know, with the top 10 games in 2020. So is that what we're going to do today? The top 10 games? No, no, no we're not going to do that. And okay. furthermore, yeah, um, we are not going to do your review because again, I okay. kind of was boring. All so, right. uh, Instead, we're going to do something that I find slightly less boring. <laughs> that sounds great. But it depends. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we can, we keep it fun, okay. which is the, um, if, if the prior year was a retrospective prospective. Yes. A prospective. So a prospective into what we think are going to be the biggest sort of stories and trends, things to watch out for in 2024. In, in, in what field? Mostly UX tech, 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 tech and UX behavior humans. Yeah. I'm not going to ask what the stock market's going to do. Good. Um, okay. So, all right. So, uh, do you want to, um, I have a small list. Okay. I'm probably maybe more prepared than you are. Do you want me to Thank sort of start <laughs> with a prediction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Do um, I get to disagree? Yeah, sure. No, this okay. is. This, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you've prepared, so I don't know what you're going to say. So we'll see if I disagree. Go ahead. What's so your the first, first one is? It, this is a continuation of it's a story that we didn't get to talk about at the end of 2023. Okay. Um, which is the disillusion, the dis. Dissolving. Dissolving. Dissolution of the Figma and Adobe merger because of anti-monopolistic pressures from the EU. Something I believe I, months ago, I said, keep an eye out. You might uh, have, yeah. Because of that, this is going to, the the anti-monopolistic, you know, pendulum is swinging the other way. In case any of you are listening that might not, know what these things are. Figma is a big deal in UX. Figma is a, is a, is software that lets you prototype and design software. Um, It has out of a, out of a collect, out of a collection of different apps. It has seemed to become the, the app dominant player in UX design work. Historically, this has, there've been, Hey, I probably used the first prototyping tools for interface design that there ever were. Um, We were so excited when we, let's be real, we used to draw with paper and pen, and then we literally would, you know, hand those drawings to the programmers that would write the code. Um, And 
that's how things started. So when we got There's still to, an elegance in that of flexibility. Oh of, well, of just uh, drawing, drawing screens. and paper prototyping is is really powerful. We should probably do a a whole episode on that. But just saying, when the when the first tools came out that let you draw the interface on the screen, so the first prototyping tools, they were just amazing. Um, and then they've been advancing since then. It's been decades. And every couple of years, there's like a new one that's the favorite one. Let's, um, let's get uh, off the top of our head. Which ones can we think of? Go. Oh, come on. That's not fair. Uh, there's a, there was a Adobe UX. Adobe UX, Sketch. right. And what was the old? What was the the old the old one? Sketch. Right. You said sketch. Yeah. Uh, Axure. Axure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, uh, technically, uh, uh, Macromedia Dreamweaver. Oh my God! You're really going back. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, um, Figma's been the yeah I would say the most popular one for I don't know a couple of years. And then, when was it that Adobe announced they're buying Figma? When, was that was, that, that was, I believe, at the beginning of 2023. That was really yeah. big news. and it was, it was this big deal, right? I mean, everyone was like, oh, no, no, Adobe's going to ruin it. And it was this big deal. And then, every, and then nothing happened, at least, you know, obviously nothing happened. It's like it was in the works, but nobody knew what that meant. And that went on for so long. I think everybody just forgot about it. The whole thing that Adobe was trying to purchase it, but the EU shut it down, huh? Um, Why I, did they shut it down? I will. I will say very shortly. Uh, yeah. Did I'm not? They didn't necessarily shut it down, um, but yeah. I believe the the conditions that were needed uh, for them to actually like. It, for the merger to go through were so onerous uh, that Adobe didn't want to that, do it anymore. That it was sort of like, it's not really worth it's not it. It's not going to be worth it. Um, yeah. and, and part of it was because Adobe has a quasi... Um, they have they have a quasi-monopoly in other spaces. Um, you know, they, they would argue they don't. Uh, but certainly for so there were, creatives, I mean, is there, you know, um, yeah. there's some stuff if you're in the Apple ecosystem, yeah. uh, DaVinci Resolve, um, there's, there's stuff out there, but it just so happens that they are sort of the largest player yeah. in a lot of spaces. And UX being a growing field, um, they would say, wait, now you're going to dominate this space as right, well. Right, right, right. And so, so I see. I if you're doing see. any kind of digital creative work, it's like you almost have to have it and everything's a walled garden. So, um, right, because, right. Because if they, uh, if they, if they eat Figma, you know. So what's going to, so what's going to happen now? Player. Well, I think they had to pay a billion dollar fine to Figma for their troubles. Um, really? They, yeah, most of the merger stuff, it's like, if it doesn't go through, then we'll pay you a billion dollars. Um, oh. So Figma will get a lot of money? Well, I'm sure they spent a lot of money getting ready for the gotcha. merger too. Gotcha. Legal stuff. All right. Um, so I don't are know. They, the, now, are see, they this gonna, is, things is, get really weird. Is someone weird. else going to buy them? Would they or, still 
be for sale after this? I don't know. Man, you, you would imagine not, but maybe. Mm-hmm. I think part of it was that Adobe was like, here's like a gajillion dollars. Um, yeah. Because Adobe sees the value in UX. And like I said, I mean, they tried. They have their own UX platform um, that I think they just sort of gave up and was like, we just, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just turn that into Figma and just call it a day. And they had these grand yeah, plans so and now they have to. I asked whether someone would buy Figma, but now what do you think Adobe's going to do? Will they, will they just say, okay, well then we're, we're going to, we're going to do what we need to do with uh, our product and take it, take it further. So it's scary, right? If you're, if you're Figma, because you have this competitor that's outside your doorstep that, you know, you're like, Hey, let's partner with, cause we don't want to have to compete with Adobe, mm. right? Like if Adobe's putting their, all their if firepower going to really work on you know, that product, right? Mm. Well, cause think about it. Adobe was going to pay 24 billion for Figma. Right. Well, okay. They didn't do that. So now, so now they got they like 10 billion to, billion to plow to put into, into this it. product. Right. right. And that's scary. Um, you don't want to have to compete with that. So huh. maybe you look for another buyer, but I don't know who would who would want to get into that space. Um, you know, I, like but, for example, right. Microsoft. Why would Microsoft? I mean, I, all you right. Know, they can I talk it, about but, the elephant but, in the room? Sure. Well, you might want to get into that space if you wanted to totally redo that space with AI. Because you know, no. no, you know, you know that this is one of the places and I'm not, you know, you know, well, I that's think why Adobe was doing that anyway. Then so. I'm not hyped up on AI. I mean, that's a whole put, nother put conversation. Put a pin in AI because we're good. That, that's our next topic. Okay. However, I think this is one of the few places where I think AI could be useful. So someone could just decide to do that and but but that is that is what that's what adobe was going to do they were they were going to use yeah that's not it's not like adobe adobe's been rolling out ai stuff all throughout their suite so it's not like some company whatever figma does or some company who buys figma they're all going to integrate it into ai that's or or say they're Uh, going to i don't even mean integrate into ai but okay um, the, we can put that the other interesting, uh, universe that might do it, it's kind of, it's kind of Microsoft. If there was a company coming from the development side, the code side, um, which, 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 and Figma then they could integrate. Been, yeah. Which Figma has been has leaning, been leaning and, uh, like one could say has right. fallen over into that side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe... Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, I think that... Maybe think Atlassian, but I don't I know think, if they could afford them, but maybe I think Atlassian would do it. I think that's... Yeah, that's that's very likely. Yeah. Um, of course, I don't know. Atlassian already has so much stuff that sort of competes with Figma, right? Like, Not really. You don't think so? Nah. It's not the same. Hey, whatever um, happened to Sketch? Does anybody use it? It was it was so popular. It was Figma, you know. Everybody um, used Sketch. It's, they're still kicking, huh? 
they did they get bought by someone? No, but I mm-hmm. think I think they're mostly a Mac thing, and so mm-hmm. I think maybe they've been having trouble breaking into a Windows yeah, Dev organization yeah. thing because, okay. um, yeah, I I. Sorry, sorry. I think I also called. I think I called Adobe Adobe UX. It's Adobe XD. Um, yeah, sorry. I think I, that's right. I knew what you meant. So yeah, I I think it's um. I think though a lot of devs do code on Macs, but if you're like a really yeah, sort yeah, of a Windows yeah, organization, yeah. I'm not sure. That, I'm not sure they, Well, so anyways, right? You know how it is where there's like this there's this line in these software products where you kind of become beholden to the big companies. Yes. Like it's one thing for like UXers to use you. It's another thing for like, you know the um, entire uh uh, software development department you know, Ford to integrate you into right. their corporate right, whatever. Right, right. So uh, that's that's like the that's like another level. And I and Figma definitely got there with their enterprise licenses, and they'll connect to servers. And um, I'm not anything, sure anything crazy like. Uh, I mean, would Salesforce do this? Oh, I thought about Salesforce. I hey Salesforce, you want to talk about people who have money? They have, they have uh, cash. We could they talk about cash. Salesforce, but I don't want to talk about Salesforce. But I, I, I recently no, no, had no, I'm a, just saying, but yeah, that's yeah. I but I recently smart. had an interaction with um, Salesforce. Um, I, I don't know what do you want to call it? Product, Salesforce uh, system. Wow, ecosystem. I forgot that they, that Salesforce bought Tableau. That uh, that I, I wasn't impressed with at all. So, uh, they, in my opinion, I don't think they are ready for um, UX and design. They certainly no. would have to come a long way to come up with tools. But I could just imagine them trying or something. Okay, so just just to just to give you a, a sense of things. Yeah. So in 2016, they bought yeah. Demandware for $3 billion. Yeah. Then they bought Quip, a word processing app, for a billion. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, they acquired Sequence, a UX experience design agency, which I don't, I don't even remember that one. I don't one. know what that is. Yeah. They bought MuleSoft for $7 billion and, yeah. and, and uh, some other stuff for undisclosed amounts. Okay. And then they bought in 2019... Oh, sorry. In uh, yeah, in 2019, they bought Tableau for 16 billion dollars. That is it. That's big. Tableau, for those of you who don't know, is probably the premier data visualization software analytics suite. There are others that maybe are better, but it's probably it's probably the. It is becoming um, also now that it's integrated into Salesforce. It is becoming much more common in corporate-y stuff as well um, for big data platforms to use Tableau as a platform uh, rather than it was before it was sort of a more of an academic kind of small potatoes thing. And then in 20, I forgot about this one uh, in 2021, they bought Slack for $30 billion. Salesforce did. Yeah. 
I, I don't know how I, I didn't know that Salesforce I think owned Slack. It just like when sure? it was it was during the pandemic. It just went Whoa. in. Yeah, they own Slack. So they um and they so they've been buying stuff. They've been they've just been munching on all sorts of things. They bought they bought a couple AI stuff. Um so yeah, they got they got money and they have been spending it on buying all sorts of things and maybe yeah, maybe um, maybe Figma's next. So, anyways, that's that's Figma. Uh, the the UX software. I think I think what will continue to happen in twenty twenty four is a continual um, muddle muddling of the UX software suite. That's my okay. that's my uh, that's my guess. Okay. Um, Figma continues just to patter along. Others, other competitors. Um, but, uh, and, and I, I, I'm going to give it like a 25% chance that Figma gets purchased by someone, someone else. It's big. Okay. Any other thoughts that you want to do about that? No, that's, that's interesting. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So that's, that's number one. Um, and obviously the, that, you know, has a lot of, um, big implications in a lot of, in a lot yeah. of areas. All right. Uh, next, yeah. Let's talk about AI and um, the big trend for twenty twenty four is going to be companies that don't really need AI shoving what they call AI into every corner of every product. Just because so CES is going to be happening in a couple days. That is the uh, consumer. Everything is going to have AI in it. They will have figured out some way to use AI in some capacity to do something in every product suite because it's what investors want. Um, Let me give you a story that I just read just this morning. Microsoft who does is the largest uh, owner of OpenAI, yeah, the probably most successful AI company as of to, to date. Um, they have announced that they're making the first change to Windows PC keyboard layouts in thirty years. So thirty years ago. Do you, can you guess what key they added to the standard Windows lap keyboard okay. layout? All right, I'm looking at a keyboard. What did they add? Mm-hmm. 30 years ago. 30 years ago. What year was that? Uh, that would be 1994. Backspace? Backspace? No, my God. No, definitely not. What? The Windows key. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the Windows key. 
I should have known that one. Um, the Windows key, which actually does so many cool things. Anyone who doesn't know, you should go look I up the Windows key it. shortcut list. I never yeah. use it, but there's all <laughs> kinds of amazing stuff. There's like there's like 150 window shortcuts where you I can make things. Uh, you can make really? your windows go left, right, top, like bottom. To, you can do all I would this like stuff. to check, check that uh, out. I believe like Windows Shift B resets your graphics driver. Something I like know that. there's something that clears your cache. There's, it's like it's wild. No one uses them. No one uses it yeah. um, unless you're a power user. So they're I making know. the first big change. Ooh, to what are they going to do? They are adding, yeah, a copilot key. Oh my god! Which will That's replace idea. in the in full keyboards the uh, menu key or application key. What that was introduced key? alongside Windows keys decades ago. Uh, you have a, uh, I believe you have a seventy-five percent. So your keyboard doesn't have that one. Oh, but if you okay. look at a full-sized, it's the Windows key on the left side and on the right side. I believe between the Alt and the arrow key, there there's used to be that little thing, and yeah. if you press it, it would open the menu of the program you were in. So. Um, oh, I, I just did it. I have a different laptop on my desk than the one you're thinking. Oh of. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes. And it has one of those and I have never pressed that before and I just pressed it. So That's actually useful. I would probably use that key. No, it's Wait going away. Oh, no. <laughs> You're replacing it. Just when I found out about it. It's been there. It's been there for 45 years <laughs> since probably Windows <laughs> 1. Oh, that's kind of funny. Okay. Um, anyways, so they're replacing it with the Copilot key, which will launch Microsoft Windows Copilot that will be built into Windows 11, That's a really offering up idea. a chat GPT-like <laughs> chatbot that can answer questions or queries or even yeah, take actions inside like of Windows. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so they're up, but they but they like own OpenAI, so they're sort of yeah. building it into everything. Yeah. Um, but then there's like other stuff that you would sort of comical, like I'm sure every fridge that is going to get rolled out at CES will have like AI integrated into the fridge. It doesn't need it. What will it do? Oh my god. Uh, okay. Okay. Hold do on. Do I even want to know? Oh my god. Uh, what, what am I going to do with my refrigerator with AI? Uh, Samsung releasing a smart fridge. Um, the twenty twenty four. Yeah. A spoke four door flex refrigerator with AI family hub plus. Arf. <laughs> AI family. Plus. Plus. Hub plus. Okay. AI Family Hub Plus. Okay. All right. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. You, re you ready for this? Maybe. <laughs> Go ahead. According to Samsung, the feature uses a smart internal ca camera that can recognize <laughs> items being placed in and out of the refrigerator and yeah. can identify up to 33 different fresh food items based on predefined set of training data, comp compromising approximately 1 million food photographs. Combining this with the food list available on the Family Hub Plus screen, oh, yes. users can add expiration date information to items they would like to keep track of and receive alerts on via oh, the Oh my God, are you kidding? So oh. they think I'm going to stand in my kitchen and put in expiration of my food. Into the app that's integrated with your refrigerator. 
I'm going to like enter that information in. It gets better. In Samsung's own vision, the bespoke four-door flex refrigerator with AI Family Hub Plus oh is meant to serve as the centerpiece of the company's food ecosystem, being able to tie into and orchestrate specific I'm interactions sorry. with I'm other Samsung sorry. products and services, such I'm as sorry. Samsung's recipe and food planning app via okay. Samsung Food, which okay. users will be able to access Please via the Family Hub Plus and Samsung Health. You used the word, somebody wrote the word orchestrate for this. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, I like food. I like cooking. I, refrigerators are very important to me. Um, but, okay, that's... But what about lettuce? Like, it doesn't have an expiration date. Do you make one up? I guess. It's <laughs> like this lettuce looked a little... So from... you mean if you know that I have cottage cheese in my refrigerator that is going to expire in three days, then you're going to come up yeah, with a Yeah, but if it's not open, recipe? cottage cheese will last a long time. But if it is open, then it's, it's ridiculous. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, I would love. You know what I want to do? I want to get the Guthrie. Can we get the consulting gig to do the in-home research for Samsung? No, because I would like to do the usability testing. I would have a blast. It's going to be so bad. Are you listening? Call us. We would like to do the in-home user testing. Getting good enough that it's like close. So, for example, I bet you the AI is good enough to like if you like put pasta in the fridge like leftover pasta it could probably with like a 95 percent accuracy identify that it, hey, this is pasta you've put pasta in here but like besides just like it being sort of a orwellian nightmare yeah that's what do you do with the information that there is pasta I in your refrigerator i, I agree Right. You know. So, for example, and uh, th there's an image to recipe feature with the enhanced vision AI, which now recognizes meals and multiple food items from photographs, blah, blah, blah. And so then. Like, right. But yeah, so so I just uh, connecting with Samsung Health, smart food can use the provided health information to suggest healthy, appropriate recipes whose instructions can then be sent to the appropriate appliance, such as the forthcoming induction Samsung Anyplace Induction Cookstop and Slide and Range. So then it would come with a seven inch LCD screen that allows you to display recipes. I just like, so like, okay, I'm in my fridge and I asked my fridge, no, give me but a recipe. The thing is, you're not in your fridge. You see, you're supposed to be doing this while you're not in your fridge. Like in the app. No, but like, so no, I you're guess. In, you're in your living room watching TV and you're thinking about what do I want for dinner? And you, you don't want to get up and go into the kitchen and open the fridge. So the, the app, while you're watching your favorite show, the app is going to be giving you alerts. Can you imagine alerts all day? Your, <laughs> your tuna is about to expire. What does it know? You don't know? Um, it said it was going to send you alerts and notifications. Uh, the other thing is, I no, so, so I guess it is, okay, I'm trying to come up with a use case scenario here. <laughs> You're like, hey, bring, make me no, a recipe with no. the ingredients I have in my fridge. I know. And then the recipe would display on the little okay, fridge TV. Okay. No, and then you I've make got, it and then you I've, 
I've got put it on your stove and it would have like the recipe on the stove and you hit start and it would cook it appropriately or something. I could see you're at the office and you don't remember what's in your fridge. And so it would tell you what should you make that's in your fridge. And then if you were missing any, any ingredients, you could, um, it, you, it would order them for you and they'd be delivered to your home when you got home. So like, there's like a path See? there somewhere. See? Now I'm, now I'm getting on board. But it's not going to be any good. And that's it's not, the, that's the problem. That's it the problem. Like be, none of this, it could be good. Just it for fun. Be before we went on, I opened up Microsoft Copilot. Yeah. Which, by the way, when you press it, but not with the button. It's actually Copilot with Bing Chat, so it's not Copilot. It's I know. Bing chat. So we're now I we're know. all we're doing different mental models because is it Copilot? Is it Bing, is it? Bing Chat? I is this this other thing? Yeah. And then you start, and I and I ask it, I just like, is this free? Is this a scam? What's the catch? And it's like, there's no catch. And then at the bottom it says one out of ten. And I was like, what out of ten? What? You know, and then it's like, What's please agree to a privacy statement. I was like, this, what is going on? It's like all this stuff and like terms of use and like. No, you're right. It's all going to be bad. Like, That's the problem. It could like, be, right? it could be, it could be borderline useful, but. Maybe in a couple of years once they iron out all the kinks. Gonna, yeah, but it will, <clears throat> but it, even I think if they iron out the kinks, which I don't think people <clears throat> will do easily which we have evidence of after you read about Samsung's thing with orchestrating. So I don't think, I, I don't think it's going to be well designed for a long time. If ever. But also shoving the stuff in operating systems or Samsung yeah. so, right? So Samsung, they want you to use their yeah. fridge and their app their, and log exactly. into their services and on right. you, their stuff. But like, also like we have, a chat GPT subscription. Yeah. I can just open a browser and talk to chat GPT. Yeah. And because we have a subscription, it's faster and higher quality than Bing chat. And like, what is there in copilot that I would ever need if I can just open up like well, chat GPT copilot, if you let it, will suck up all your corporate data. Well, yeah, that and sounds then, worse to me. And then they will, you know, then they'll take and all your notes and put it into and a PowerPoint and all that stuff. Remember ridiculous. from that original video? Yeah. So, so, so this is, so they're going to jam it everywhere. I'll tell you why it's going to be a problem. And I'm, if those watching, I'm pointing aggressively with my pen He's at the really screen. Stabbing I'm stabbing. The pen. Here's the problem. Yeah. You know what's actually really expensive? What? Running all this, all these AI queries. It's getting, it's expensive. Oh my God, I dropped the pen. (laughs) Um, It's getting, it is getting, uh, um, so, so when you go to chat GPT, right? Yeah. Yeah. There are servers that are running all these huge calculations and it's getting much cheaper and it gets like 10 X cheaper every year. So we'll get there, but it's still not free. And so, um, like Microsoft putting AI stuff, yeah, you know all these things, yeah, it is going to cost them a fortune, and yeah, and they can do it because they're Microsoft and they have money and they want to build out an AI infrastructure anyways. So let's use this as the test model before we do the fun stuff that we sell to our corporate clients. Fine. Um, 
I, I think that's their secret goal is to just have everyone's information on Windows and then they can come up with the good stuff that they'll sell to the corporate clients behind the protection. Yep. I agree. But um, it's it's actually expensive. And if you're a medium-sized company, yeah. 90% of the companies are just actually using ChatGPT um, APIs. So yeah. like Snapchat had a whole um, uh, chatbot thing that they rolled out. It's yeah. just ChatGPT queries. Yeah. So they're just they're they're all just pinging the servers, and it costs like you know a hundredth of a cent every question. <laughs> so it adds up, and so now you have an a rev an an ex going an, an ex an external uh, expense to all the software that has yeah. AI in it. At yeah. least when you code bad software in the real world the expense ends when, you know, I guess you have to spend a tiny little bit to maintain it for bugs and whatever, but you put it out there and it's okay, it's bad. And then no one uses it and it stops. But like, if you put out bad software out there um, and you're not getting the revenue from it, well, now it's costing you because people, because all these queries are costing you money mm-hmm. every month. So there's going to be in all these companies from big to small that are rolling out all this AI stuff there is going to be a need to ramp the revenue up to make up for the losses of the AI queries. And it's you know how that goes. When there is business pressure to ramp up revenue coming from software, what happens to the software? Gets worse. It gets worse. From a U- UX point so, of view. So they're going to just <clears throat> slam all this stuff in there. Dump bad software. You know, like, like, this, like this fridge. You got to add processing and wi-fi integration and cameras and mics and Do you screens think we'll get to the point where we can't so buy expensive. a regular refrigerator anymore <laughs> no i don't good i don't because <laughs> um, i don't want one of these I'm so gonna, my point is is that like so everyone is running as fast as possible to throw ai into everything yeah and it's one thing if you're a smartphone and you already have like a computer chip sitting there ready to go yeah and it's one thing if you're a car, if you're like a, a Tesla car and you already have yeah. a computer sitting in there ready to go. Yeah. Um, that all kind of makes sense, you know, but smart speaker, fine. But like to start putting it into all the stuff that doesn't, doesn't have that have stuff it. and then to write software that's going to be costing you money. And now you, you're saying, well, everyone's going to use this. Yeah. But just think about all the jobs and all the, all the, uh, all the economic busyness that this will result in. None. <laughs> the, the, well, the, the same, no one's going out and like buying 10 refrigerators because it has AI now. Like it's not going to, like you need, if you need a fridge, you need a fridge. Like I just don't think there's a lot of people who are like, well, I bought a new fridge last year. I guess it's useless. I'll, I have a need to buy a new one because it doesn't have AI feature. I mean, I guess that's kind of a selling point. I think most companies don't want to be left behind. And they're like, mm. if we don't get on this bandwagon, mm. the shareholders will yell at us and we'll get mm. left behind. So we need to say we're doing mm. a million AI things to bump our share price. Yep, I think so, you're right. So my prediction for 2024 yes. is yes. that we are going to see AI shoved Everywhere. in every nick, nook and cranny. And right. 1% of it is going to be cool and be like, whoa, what a smart application. That is so neat. Hmm. Like, And they'll it'll work. And 90... Five percent of it will be garbage and terrible, and, yeah, and not, not even AI. You know, yes, right, like right, right. like 
do you need AI to suggest a recipe? Right. I, sorry. Like uh, six years ago, I was using we were, a we dinner spinner that. on my app where I would yes. say, these are three things I have. And have they would give me recommendations. Like it's not like you don't need, you know, AI for that. Yeah. We don't necessarily need I to, to recommend things that have chicken and, you know, chicken cabbage and rice, and and rice you know, like we can figure it out. <laughs> You know, that's that that that's that's not exactly like machine learning. All right, whatever. Maybe it's better. You so, did too. Well, hold on. I I'll just I'll finish up the AI thing. Okay. So my my prediction is that not yeah. only will it get shoved everywhere, yeah, we will then get to the oh god, this is expensive. We can't run. The, we can't afford to do this. And so the software. You, so do will you just think we will get to that by the end of? This year? No. Uh, okay. Stuff is going to get released in 2023. So that's CES. It means it ships in June, right? Which means people are getting their hands on it in August, which so means the, that... The we must do it is sorry, happening Did I say 20, 2024? I, yeah, I, I can't even... I figured you meant 2024. 2024. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so maybe 2025, that whole thing starts to fall okay. apart a little bit. Uh, would you like to... I'll and I'll tell you my prediction about then where it, what it what happens to it, and it's the it what needs to happen with AI stuff yeah. is the same thing that happened to security on phones, which is what people there used to be like things like the voice processing where you're like you know hey so and so right do this or do that yeah. It used to be that it was just listening all the time and sending that stuff to servers. Yeah. And people are like, that's weird. It's creepy. I don't like it. Turn it off. Yeah. It, it's too slow. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't, it has an, if I don't have an internet connection, it doesn't work. And what happened was they got, it got efficient enough and the processors got it fast enough that they were able to do it locally on device. This was Apple's big thing was that you could do the, the, the facial recognition Mm -hmm. and the fingerprint scanner, and mm -hmm. the text recognition on device. Mm -hmm. It's secure. It doesn't send anything to the servers. They can't mm -hmm. see that data. It's all encrypted. That's what really unlocked it to become, I don't want to say mainstream, but allowed it to, to allow the software to not be garbage okay. because it was done locally. So you didn't take up server runtimes, and it wasn't expensive. It was yeah. done locally, so you had the privacy protections there, and it was done locally, so you didn't need an internet connection, and it happened really fast, very responsive. Um, and there's less vectors of uh, of uh, of security vulner vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. So just just imagine a world in which, um, in order, you know, so you can like turn your car on, you know, using the Chat GPT or whatever, but it's sending a message to a server and then the server is sending a message back yeah. to the car yeah. to turn the car on. Yeah. That's a vector for attack. If right. you can keep it all inside the car right. and it's not sending anything out and it's not getting anything back, you've just eliminated a lot of attack vectors. Yeah. So eventually I do think there's a future in which AI will be in all sorts of products. I think that's coming. So I don't want to say that I'm anti AI but it needs to happen securely on device. Okay. If the fridge had a thing, 
that's fine. I guess that makes sense, but it needs to happen on the fridge, not connected to an app. You don't have to log in, not connected to the internet. internet. And that's when I think the software will actually get to a place of decency and you don't have to orchestrate all this smart home stuff. We're essentially going to go, go, I'm not going to say go backwards. I'm going to say we're going to go around the circle. So, you know, originally there was no internet and computers did not talk to each other. Uh, They just, you know, well, they, they would, they were local area networks, right? We're going to go back to local area networks. Yeah, that's what I, I right. Well, and this then, is, this is, the I know. And stuff. then, and then yeah. we went to the, then, then the, then everything there was, was the cloud. Were like totally standalone, you know, then the personal right, right. computer came out. It didn't talk to anything. anything. I mean, was anything a printer, serial port. It could talk, it, it could to, talk a to a printer, printer. if you yeah. plugged it in. Right. Yeah. Everything had to, it could yeah. talk to things if you plugged them in, mm-hmm. and then of course the internet came around, and then we started, and you know, and everything to had to be connected where, to the cloud. Where there, you, you oh, you weren't even going to have a computer; you're just going to have a screen, and it went right to the cloud. And then, um, and it turns now, out that's expensive to maintain yeah. all that cloud so storage, and gonna, nothing connects to each other. Now and we're going to come back stuff. around and uh, start to have. Local area Local and on- then we're just going to have it come back right to the machine. And- so, for for oh, example, okay. Matter, which is the yeah. n- new interoperable smart home standard yeah. that can operate theoretically um, not on Wi-Fi. So, like, yeah. one device can just talk. One Matter device can talk to another Matter, matter device. Yeah. And any Matter device can talk to any other. So, if you have a, if you have a Matter fridge, yeah. you should be able to... In the fridge, it'll be like what other devices are nearby, and right. it should be a and light bulb, and it can talk. Induction yeah. stove, and, your and none of it goes to the cloud. Everything's processed locally and, on. So theoretically, you could say um, you, you could you could go to your uh, uh, it's like the USB port of yeah. smart devices. Yeah, you can you could go to your washing machine yeah. and say, "Hey, washing machine, assign." Yeah these lights that you notice as kitchen lights, right? Yeah. And then it would send out the signal for those lights to be, I'm the kitchen light, right? So each device now says I'm a kitchen light. And then you walk into the other room to your fridge, which is a totally different brand. You haven't signed into any apps. You haven't messed with any software ecosystem garbage. And then you say, hey, fridge, turn on my kitchen lights. And your lights would just turn on. This is that that's sort of like the smart AI future that right. makes sense if it's local on device. All right. And you know what's not gonna happen? What? That. <laughs> because all these companies were like, we need the data and we need um, the AI to phone home so that we yeah. can have it all in our walled garden ecosystem. All right. Now Guthrie. Sorry, that got heated. You got through two. You said you had. Well, five. I think that's the biggest one. I think right. I think the well, AI being slammed into every nook and cranny I is going to be a big prediction for 2024. 2024. Right. I'm getting my years. You have a, you have a few more minutes. Well, do you do you have any other? Do you have any predictions? Uh, do I have it? I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about this ahead of time, so now I'm going to have to do it off the top. Uh, of my head. Okay, let me give let me give you uh, a question here. Uh, yeah, what do you think is going to happen to the 
UX job market in 2024. 2022, boom year. 2023, kind of okay, though a bunch of Silicon Valley companies laid off like 10 trillion UXers and they sort of flooded the market. I, you know, <clears throat> I recently had someone tell me uh, that my persona and my brand <laughs> was very positive and supportive and it, I should That's not ridiculous. go down the dark path That's of being true. the UX curmudgeon because I said that I was a UX curmudgeon and this person said, no, but you have this brand and persona of being like supportive and positive and an optimist. And I was like, I do. Anyway. Um, can I, can I tell you my guess? Your guess about what I would answer? No, about why you have that persona. Why? I think it's because you are an open and friendly person. Aw. And that's but a that nice thing to say. That is, but that has nothing to do with <laughs> your intellectual I am an open and friendly person. person. And, yeah, I, so it's, and I so like care somebody, about people and I if do you go like, to a conference, you don't bigwig people, you go and you watch events and people come up and say, Hey, yeah. I love you and you're and you're nice about it, you know. Well, yeah, I do. I liked I like talking to people and, and I, I like being supportive of people and, yeah, and helping them out. That's, I really, you know, so, I they, so they just assume that that positive right. ethos but that you have incredibly pessimistic about <laughs> most everything in my life. So, um, I, I am very, very, very worried about UX. I'm very worried about UX because now, so here's the thing. UX, user experience work, whether design or research or strategy or anything else, um, is more critical now than it's ever been. And there's more need for it now than there's ever been. Um, so it should be booming. However, uh, you know, if there's the thing you mentioned this before, where you said, what happens when there's a lot of pressure, right? And they have to get software out quickly. Yeah. They just, you know, it's like, okay, we don't have time for this. You know, I, I, I had a conversation recently with um, a client and they said, uh, they said, um, that I was looking at the product that they had and I said, you guys uh, going to do any usability testing on this before you release it? And they were like, oh yeah, yeah, we do user acceptance testing all the time. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That that sounds similar, but that's not the same thing. And they were like, it's not? What's the difference between user acceptance testing and usability testing? Um, I guess that's a great quiz question, Guthrie. Do you know the difference? User acceptance testing? Yeah. I yeah, don't so know. I, I don't think I can define yeah, user, so user acceptance, acceptance testing has been around for a long time, and it's part of the whole software development methodology and and what it is is that, I mean, if anybody even does it, what it says is that, oh, the last part of software development is to check it with users and make sure that it, 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 it has the functionality it was supposed to have. But it's, that's functionality. That's not whether. No. Yeah, absolutely. It does it. It's, it checks the refrigerator and then spits out a recipe. We're done. 
But what was that experience like? Did it work? Was it frustrating? Could people figure it out? How long did it take? You know, does anyone care? Does anyone care? That's the user usability testing part of it. Anyway. And the worst part is yeah. these companies should know better. Well, you know, because okay. Samsung, okay? okay? No, no, Samsung no, I know. did Bixby. They spent a no, quadrillion dollars having a like a friendly assistant okay. and then All it right. didn't work. I'm gonna take us off. I will keep it down to one minute. I'm gonna take us off on a one minute journey because there are two things you mentioned that when you said the big co- these companies should know better. Number one, uh, organizational memory. Yeah is a disaster at most companies. And there's there's more churn than ever. So they might somebody might have learned it before, but no that doesn't mean anybody remembers or that person's gone or anybody heard about it inside the company. So a really big failing is is the failure of organizational memory. So I'll say that. And then the other thing that that I was going to say about this you know what? Don't they don't they know better? Um, I I listened recently. I, I watched a YouTube video, and it was a, a, a very high level uh, technology person at a very big you know company that does a lot of software and stuff. And he he had he was doing this talk at a conference, you know. And he was going to now illuminate the audience with this big insight that he had, that he had developed, which was you shouldn't be building features. You should be building a product that allows people to do what they want to do. And he expected the rest of us to go, ah, you're kidding me. We should. It's like, yeah, duh. You know, so he was like saying, you need to document their workflow and design from that as though it was this big revelation. And I'm like, okay, we've been saying that for, I don't know, 40 years. Like he, he thought this was a really unusual thing. So if he thinks it's an unusual thing, and I'm glad he's having insights, and maybe he'll do it at his company, and maybe someone else will do it. But this is why it's still going to continue to be bad, because um, everyone's just designing features. And if you're designing features and you're trying to get the software out the door, you don't need the pesky UX people who are going to just tell you all the problems and why it won't work and what you, you need to fix it and you need to change it. And they're, I think these companies aren't going to want to hear that. They also believe that at this point, good user experience is equate, is the same thing as good visual design. And they also think anybody can do good visual design. And all of those assumptions are wrong. So good user experience is not good user interface slash visual design. Those are two different things. They're both really important. They're two different things. And not anybody can do the UI part anyway. So I think there's just a lot of hubris and this feeling that, well, that's fine. We don't really need it. 
You know, we've yeah. now have standards. I've had, I heard companies say, oh, well, we now have standards and we have, um, you know, reusable components. So we don't need any UX. So there's so much misunderstanding of what user experience is that I'm concerned about the future of the job situation. Well, the, the question for me... I hope I'm wrong. The question for me with the jobs is, yeah. um, do any of these companies start to pay a price for having for doing this garbage stuff? You know, so... You know, I, I mentioned Samsung. They spent billions and billions on Bixby, and it was a flop, and they got rid of it. Okay, like that's just right. That's just an investment that went bad, and it was bad because they tried to keep it in a walled ecosystem, and it just you know it just I, wasn't. I, I don't or, know that they're going to recognize that that it a big part of their problem is a UX problem. That's my... Oh, yeah, it, that's why, it. and I 100% agree with you, right? Which so means like, then they won't think to fix it by... So, so yeah, they're going to they're gonna do this thing. They had bad software before, blah, blah, blah. Well, we'll just do it with AI, and that'll be a big feature, and everyone right. will go, that's and it'll right. be garbage, and then and and it won't work, and then, well, we just, just, just this other thing down the corner. And so they, there's just, just this never-ending stumbling over terrible software yeah. coming out yeah. and it, a lot of companies don't seem to be paying much of a price for that where they don't, yeah. they're not realizing the price. Yep. Yep. Um, of course the company that does ha have it all together and actually focuses on their users is Apple and they continue to be worth a quadrillion dollars and but, they, but I'm telling and the, people, their investments but, yeah. last for. Ever. I know, but other companies who are, look at them do not think, oh, one of the reasons they're so successful is because of their UX. You know, I mean, just, you know, it's uh, it's other things. It's not that. Yes, right. So so they'll they'll spend forever to get like a drag and copy like, yeah. move yeah. thing animation. Yeah. yeah. Just perfect, right? Yeah. And and it's like, well, they care about their products. It's smart. They, they, their software barely changes, you know, it's just this little incremental stuff and they can use the same animation yeah. and the same, uh, layout and the same interoperability of how everything comes together for the user. And they just use it for years and it's awesome. I, um, I watched someone working on, uh, their, working on their phone and there was a thing that was in an app that was just like, it was like in an app and they needed to get this whole long piece of information off their phone and yeah. send it to someone else, but they couldn't share it in any way. Yeah. And they copied on their, on their phone and they logged in on their laptop and they hit, you know, they just pasted it on their laptop because Apple has this, the user magic where if you copy it on one device, you can just paste it on the other. It's awesome. I, I don't, I don't think. And it's going to, and then they'll have it for 20 years. I don't, for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why, it's going to be a strange, I don't know, a strange thing to say perhaps. Uh, Capitalism doesn't value humans. 
(laughs) And, and so it's like, oh, well, it would be easier to use and it would be nicer to use and the people would like it better and it would, people could learn it easier. And it's just like, you know, and, you know, we know there's a connection between that and making money, but that is not an obvious connection. And when you try and make that argument, uh, a lot of times it's just like, no, they, 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 people get in these companies get very tech focused. And if it's the latest technology, you can make an argument for why that would, will save them money or make them money, which it might not they'll believe that, but there's a bias against uh, the idea that making humans happy equals money. Um, that, that connection, uh, you know, and I, I blame myself and others like me and you that are in the field that don't make that explicit that have that don't have the evidence of that i think the evidence is there but we don't often have it and use it and the only places where it seems to stick are in places that have to do with death okay so you can make that argument about airplanes uh airplane uh, uh staffing protocols uh, medical devices, medical protocols. Um, if you are at risk of having a big disaster and having to pay for that disaster, only because you have to pay for it, not just the disaster, but paying out for the disaster because you got sued, then the, then these then people are interested. You know, and that's when I've seen, you know, any big changes that happen. And, you know, when I, I just, I, I just remember so many times when, you know, I got contacted by, by some large corporation and they would say, okay, look, you know, I, I, two things I remember, Guthrie, one, a company called me and said, um, because, uh, the online form is poorly designed. We just lost $7 million on a real estate deal. We can't do this anymore. Can you help us? Okay. And then another one was, <laughs> I love this one. Hello. Um, uh, the people that work in our call center, um, they just all unplugged their computers, the entire call center <laughs> warehouse and they say they won't turn them back on until we fix the software. <laughs> and I thought that was great. I was like, oh. I, and I said, in my mind, I'm going, go call center workers. But I said, sure, I can help you. So, you know, unless there's like this immediate kind of emergency and it's going to cost money, it's hard to get people excited. I think the, I do think that companies that, push features in the short term it can work because the juice is worth the squeeze so for example i'm thinking about google sheets okay when google sheets first came out the ui ux was not very good but the user experience of being able to have 
two people I understand. work on I a understand. document at the same time. I right? understand. So, okay, but then Absolutely. the competition catches up. So if you can just keep no, that monopolistic no, 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 thing no. of like, okay. it's worth here's it, the, you can here's keep stumbling the cognitive. forward. I'd love to do... I'd love to do a session on just cognitive biases in software design. Here's a cognitive bias. What's the name for this one, Guthrie? Which is, yes, absolutely. The the right feature at the right time can for the right propel price. you. That it, but then what happens is people put the blinders on and then it's all features are good. You know, it's like <laughs> we just have to... Come on. and this is what the the method the agile methodology is. Every six to eight weeks, or eight to ten weeks, whatever it is, you come up with the list of features that you're going to create, and that's sports all you teams care do this, about. Where some sports teams are just like, if we just get the right coach, then it all. <laughs> and so every two years, they just fire their coach, and their team is bad for years right, and right, years right. and years. So. So yes, the right feature, the right time, the right place, absolutely. But that does not mean that you should be doing all of your planning and development and and all your processes just with uh, based on features because 98% of the features are not that wonderful and because you're not spending user experience time on them, they're actually less than wonderful. They take the quality of the product down. So just cranking out features is, um, is a disaster. And that's how everybody is creating software. So. And you experienced this very strongly personally recently because you were in the market for a car and the feature you were looking for was an electric car for a variety of reasons. And here in the United States, there are just very few cars that are electric, that are decent, that don't have some sort of terrible something, and that like are at a reasonable price point. They don't exist. And it's this really weird sort well, of it monopoly. Makes this, it makes the decision process easy. <laughs> You don't have a lot of choices. There's not a lot of choices, right? And the and the design of them isn't great. So all right, Guthrie, you've run yeah. out of time and you didn't go through your five. My five. Five what? You said you had five predictions. I said I have five predictions? Oh, I thought you did. No. no did you I, do all your predictions? Oh no, but it's fine. It's fine. All right. We we, we got through that uh, we got we definitely got through the uh the three most important ones, which was the UX job market. Sort of oh, the state of Figma. My gosh, you know what we didn't do at the beginning that we should have done. So we're going to do it now. Go for we it. have um, classes coming up. We have in-person classes in Columbus, Ohio. One on behavioral design. One on UX leadership. We have an online workshop on behavioral design, and we forgot to say that, and so probably no one is still listening. Um, to the podcast. So please remind me when we do our next podcast to do that at the beginning. Uh, so Guthrie, if people are interested in attending one of our workshops or just getting hold of us for any reason, how do they get hold of us? You can email info at theteamw.com. Thanks, Guthrie, for your uh, predictions. I don't know. It doesn't sound really positive. So it makes the curmudgeon happy, but <laughs> um, we're hey, it's 
I think whenever there's a new technology, yeah. the UX always always lags. Lags. Always, always. Always. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you, Guthrie. Enjoy CES. Talk soon. We'll talk soon. Bye.